It's a good show. Roger. Okay, I think you're pulling the wrong one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, okay, I'm ready to pull it down now. There was still a little bit uh, left in the... Okay, yeah. I'm going to play so tight. Okay. Yeah. 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 Welcome to the podcast. This is how it's going to start. Starting off like this. I broke over my wrist. Trying to get a dog kiss. I like that four and that no more than you know. I got to get the four on the floor. I got the fur on the floor. Open up the door. I got me a door. Grab this a leaf and I make sure it's... was me that was me uh, hey admittedly hey what's up it's me hey guys welcome to full breach the destination station timeout magazine's number one place to listen when you're not listening to you listen to me for i am that which you think you can listen to when you are doing the thing that you said you were okay welcome to live to tape the podcast with me johnny pemberton also known as the jackfruit express highway wagon cultivator boy uh the stone sucker <laughs> That's a new one. I like stone sucker. I like stones. What can I say? I like rocks, but I think I like stones a bit more. What is the difference between a rock and a stone? We don't really know. I would say that stone is something you say if you're sort of like, oh, I think you found a stone here. Is this is, uh, uh, quit throwing stones at me. Bag of end. Why wow, you have to be such a dervish bag of end throwing stones my way? That's a stone. Or a stone is also like, Hey, I live on the East Coast. Yeah, there's a lot of stones out in this field. How are you going to plow this fucker? That. There's that. There's also um, basically just what you grew up saying and hearing the most, right? So that's, that's what I want to say here right now. Welcome to this Live to Tape with Johnny Pemberton here. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. I'm going to hold my word upon about reviewing, uh, reading, about reading the reviews I like. You guys have written some really hilarious, absurd reviews. Keep them coming. Do it on iTunes or Stitcher. I don't know. Do it however you want to do it. If you got to send it to me, live to tape podcast at gmail.com. It's L I V E T O T A P E at <laughs> live to tape podcast at gmail.com. But there's no numbers. It's all live to tape podcast at gmail.com. Do that. Also, and if you do, 
And if you do, and if you do want to support the podcast, the only way to do that is to go to patreon.com slash live to tape. That's patreon.com slash live to tape. There's multiple engagement levels. <laughs> There's multiple cough trips. Skitch. There's multiple that sounds. You can be involved. And I'm going to be having T-shirts available very soon. If maybe, they might even be available. They're not available yet, but they're going to be available very soon. Uh, thanks for everybody helping me out. I had to figure out how to make sure that those get to you the best because I don't want to have any kind of a snafu where people don't get the thing that they wanted to get. So those are only going to be available on Patreon right now. Uh, eventually, I'll have more available, but that's just how it is, okay? Membership has its privileges. Those things I want you to know. Also, uh, I don't really got anything else I need you to know exactly. Uh, that's it. This is a great episode. It's a real stunner. Oh, my God. I got exposed to some things I was very happy to get exposed to. But first, let's read some of the top three most recent reviews of the podcast sent to me by you through the vessel of computer and through the absurd wave station known as... Dorgan's Gunch Lunch. Now, now that we're, we're back, back in a bunch, bunch we're going to reintroduce Brunch with a Punch. Brunch by Scunch. It's, it's like, like a skunk. It's like, like a bunch. It's, it's a bunch of skunks all sitting in the same place at the same time doing their work to make a snowy burst on your first communion birthday bash. That's right. Have you got a baby that accelerates at doing all types of communication math inside of a church? Then you too can probably probably like Taking your way downtown. Only available at special stores like Hot Topic and Dad's Office and special craft beer emporiums featuring hot brew trails down all the way in downtown Atlanta businessman named Don. Okay, I just checked the... Uh, what? Welcome to Live to Tape. It's me, it's Johnny Pemberton here. Uh, my voice slightly affected, but you know, that's how I live. That's how I like to be. I don't want to sound like this. Everyone sounds like this. Let's sound like this. Okay, so here's the deal. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you so much for rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast. Like I said, I was going to do. I'm going to do the thing I said I was going to do here on uh, this absolutely stunning sample of a podcast we got in store for you. I am. Uh, you, you did it again. Somehow you did it again. You found out to make a way into me. I'm going to read these reviews. Okay, this one's good. Kindly talks down to us by Peter Nimrod. Peter says, I feel like most podcasters have a large amount of contempt for the audience because, comma, it's free, comma, we are cool, comma, and we embrace the cool host because we just don't get it. I love that review. 
fully agree with it, but that's okay. I think it's funny. Pure Eucalyptics by The Rage Cage. Jimmy Pembertown brings it hard with an ever-evolving five-star executive buffet. Nothing beats a hot bowl of dark and gunch. Living outside. Yes, it's helpful. <laughs> the best by Wet Chainsaw Puzzle. All that you can ask for in a podcast. John has a way to keep you laughing, maintain an interesting conversation with a great guest, introduce you to more music, work on a timely voice effects, and release each episode on a consistent basis without question my favorite podcast. Can you make the fight? I don't know. Can you? The rain is getting heavy through the storm tonight. I'm so far from home, the ocean goes below. Will you make the morning light? Hi, it's me. It's Johnny here. This is, uh, I'm here to talk to you about Quip. Quip, they make electric toothbrushes. These are not regular electronic toothbrushes. These are special new ones that are like this perfect blend between a traditional manual toothbrush of ancient times and a new modern. They took the bulk. They took the bulk out of the electric toothbrush and added the beauty. That's all I'll say for it, okay? Here's the deal. Oprah loves this shit, so you know it's good. There's all, I can tell you about all this crap that's like, oh, it's, it's this, it's this, this, this person loves it, that. You just check it out. Go to the website. It starts at just $25 if you go to getquip.com slash tape. Right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electronic toothbrush. That's the first refill pack free at getquip.com slash tape. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash tape. That's an exclusive deal for live to tape listeners. How this works is the thing about brushing your teeth is you have to change your toothbrush out regularly for it to be effective. I don't do that. I'm terrible at it. Who's who's good at that? Like a, a, a killer? Maybe a killer is good at doing that. Someone who kills people is probably really good at remembering to change their toothbrush. So don't remember anymore. Go to getquip.com slash tape and you get your first refill pack free. That's right. They will send you the refill. Then they send you a new brush head on the reg every three months. This has been scientifically decided as when, if you brush your teeth like a person who's supposed to brush your teeth, which I guess is twice a day, they say, then that's the perfect time to, uh, to replace it. Okay, getquip.com slash tape. I've got one. Get one, too. It's great. I'm so excited that I don't have to think about this now. I can go back to being a lunatic and not worrying about, Is my brush head ready to be replaced? Getquip.com slash tape. That's T-A-P-E. You know, like live to tape. Dun, dun, dun. How do your headphones sound to you? Let's see. Is it modern? Oh, that's nice. Is it good? Yeah, it's good. Okay. It's crisp. It's crisp. It's clear. It's here. It's near. (laughs) Here we are, downtown, underground. A wonderful spot that shall not be mentioned, but it shall be named. That's it's right. called the epicenter. 
That's where the grapefruit comes off the vine, and we sit here drinking mysticated wine with the ghost of Jim Morrison's brother, Jason. Jason. Jason Bourne. Jason Bourne. Son of Jim Morrison, Jason Bourne. He got the powers from his daddy. We all know this to be true. We're listening to live to tape here. It's a podcast with Johnny Pemberton. He's going to step in momentarily. Uh, I have a guest today. He's going to be named shortly by himself. He'll name himself. Mm -hmm. He can say himself if he wants to. (laughs) Joey. Hi, Joey. Hi. Joey Izzo is my guest today. Joey Izzo. Filmmaker. Filmmaker. Writer. Writer. Musician. uh, Aficionado. Yeah. Aficionado. Aficionado. Record collector. That's right. Record ejector. That's right. Do uh, you have any other titles you think it should be worth noting to mention? Um, T-O-N? Human being, you human know? Being. Human being. Human being. Human uh, being. Resident. Resident. Oh, resident's a good one. That's a good one. You see a lot of like signs like, Dear residents. Yeah, that's me. Dear residents, please don't put this thing here. <laughs> resident of Los Feliz. Dear residents, please don't put the thing that you have in the spot that we put the sign that says don't. <sighs> good grief. Mm. It's a hot day. This is something you've heard of. This guy Terry Riley. Oh yeah, this rainbow. This is a uh, Persian surgery dervishes. Ooh, that's nice. I feel like all this stuff sounds kind of the same, but all really good. Yeah, like I'm very familiar, and yeah. I got it wrong, but I, I also got it right. It's true. Because <laughs> I'm sure he would say, "It's all the same, actually, it's Joey. All the same. Joey." It's all under the rainbow. Joey, it is the rainbow. <laughs> it is. <laughs> What's that one called? Yeah, Rainbow and Curved Air. That In C, that's another good that one. That one hits hard. That one hits. Ooh, this slaps. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to Technosphere 2009. <laughs> Today we'll be exploring all sorts of new ad techniques brought to you by Jaborgan. Oh, that's haunting how easily commodified this could oh, yeah. be now. I mean, it's so renegade for its time, or I like to think it was, and... There's so many songs, there's so many things now that have just become, so many sounds that are just, it's, like when I hear, not that Steve, Steve Miller Band is probably the worst example ever. (laughs) That's a good one. (laughs) When I hear Steve Miller Band, I think of the Postal Service. Not the band, but like literally the mail. Yeah, yeah. When I hear like, do, 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 with with shipping on time available, with next day UPS, you too, get it there, get it done, get it. Yeah, it's like it's, those slogans. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. There's something I heard the other day. I think it was the best is now you hear all these fucking um, like heroin anthems being used in car commercials or like for a BP or something like that. <laughs> that stuff is my favorite. Oh, I mean, I, I remember like uh, in the late 90s, we started to see a lot more like punk stuff being used like the Buzzcocks and the Dead yeah. Boys and stuff. And uh, now they're going into our music, you know? They are. I wonder if they're going to get to, like, new metal and stuff. They have to. I bet they are. Maybe it's just not in the market that we're seeing because it's, mm. like, I don't know. Corn for Kia or something? Yeah. Pretty good. Do what you want. I'll buy a Kia. God, corn. <laughs> I forgot about corn. Never forget. I don't even know what they sound like. I just know they sound like... I mean, I remember that song Freak on a Leash was kind of good. Oh, yeah. Uh, first album I still listen to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. A lot more low end than Terry Riley. Super, yeah. This is <laughs> is this Fieldy on bass? Yeah. Right. Or is this or Peanut? He- he- wait, no, Fieldy's bass. Yeah, but is that or is that a different band? No, Fieldy you got correct. 
Isn't it funny that all these bands have a bass player with one name? Yeah. Fieldy, Peanut, Flea. <laughs> I know. It's required. Peanut. He strung his bass so low it was practically scraping the ground. Oh, yeah. You got to have that low that bass. Vi- I mean, the visual of that helps the sound. You got to have that low bass. Low bass. I'll ha- let my bass hang low so all the hoes know I'm going to go. Whatever that means. Yeah. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me. This is chill. Yeah. This is fun. Do you got what you got what you want to drink? I got water. Okay. There's yeah. alcohol here. Some people like alcohol. Uh, booze it up. Someday I'm gonna booze it up in here. I just mm-hmm. haven't done it. Should I do it? Which no, what do you should say? We do should we booze it up? I don't wanna booze it up. Is he boozing? He says Engineer? thumbs down. Oh no. He's all about booze. Oh he's I'm getting double signals here. <laughs> I'm getting double signals on a dime. Uh, mm. yeah. <laughs> a lot of music references. Yeah, so many. Uh, so where where did you start getting into music? Like, where um, was the thing where you feel like you were different than other people in terms of that? Hmm. I guess um, it was a really early age. I remember this older kid down my block. Where, na- where is this block? Uh, Redwood City, California. Okay. Bay Area. And, California, uh, dude. Yeah, me and my brother were, uh, you know, just out and about. Three and years then, old? Uh, okay, <laughs> I was probably about nine years old. Yeah. Nine or eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, this older kid brings us into his bedroom. Older brother, younger brother? Older, 15 okay. months. Got it. 15 months is not a big gap. Mm-mm. So he was, I was also very influenced by an older brother yeah. kind of thing. But we were both brought in at the same time. And I think, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't even listening to music. I mean, I, I was probably listening to like, I don't know, eight, like whatever's on the radio, you yeah. know. But I didn't even, I didn't even know that. And so this older kid brings us into his bedroom and he had this, stack of cassettes okay you know and he had all he had like metallica metallica was pretty much the gateway like uh yeah ride the lightning Mm -hmm. he had all this stuff and like some punk stuff and and that was it it was uh, i was off to the races so he who was this dude his name was cruster Cruster Jorgen. (laughs) cruster (laughs) Jorgen. i don't know he's this weird recluse kid i he actually like I mean, a sad story. He actually was hit by a car, like you know, like eight years later. But wow. he changed me and my brother's life. And I feel like that happens to a lot of people who uh, you give off the thing that every bunch mm-hmm. of people needed. Like the cool person who's coolest first, they always a lot of times end up. If you're ahead of your time, a lot of times you end up getting smoked. Yeah, you get smoked. I mean, yeah. you burn too bright. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people who are you know, you're ahead of your time, you don't get to, you get like kind of you get. I don't know. Maybe it's, I don't think it's karmic as much as maybe. Maybe it is a form of karma. It's a thing where, oh, you did all this stuff. You discovered it too soon. And you gave it to everybody. So you're just sort of an, you were sort of an agent. Yeah. An agent, like a <laughs> an vessel agent of, of change. change. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, then, and then, yeah, my brother was like a skater kid and bedroom guitar player. And he'd introduced me to all this like punk stuff really, really young. And so it was like punk and hardcore and metal. Like and, what kind of stuff exactly? Uh, well, like... No effects? No effects. I like Screeching no effects. weasel? Uh, I like screeching weasel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it kind of ran the gamut. I went to a lot of, like, local shows. I went to Gilman in Berkeley when I was, like, 10. Wow. And it was, like, the scariest thing ever because it was, I mean, yeah, Gilman's, like, this legendary punk venue. In Is this, I've never heard of it. There's so much stuff because I grew up in Minnesota. There's all, anyone I know who's from California... Yeah. 
they have like a five-year head start at <laughs> least on anyone who's from the Midwest in terms of like yeah. hipness. Yeah. Like my girlfriend grew up here and she fucking, you know, she's over stuff at 13 that I didn't learn about until I was 20. Yeah. Like yeah. over it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it. we were definitely exposed to a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And this was like the quintessential punk venue, just graffiti all over the walls, and it was a co-op. And Oh, the co-op yeah. is key. Co-op yeah, is so be, key. You had to be a member. You got a membership card. Jesus Christ. It's so funny how that's, it's so punk, but at the same time, it's also so establishment, too. You oh, have yeah. a, You have a, a membership card, yeah? yeah. <laughs> I say you're here for the, the punk club, my boy. Yes. You're yeah. me- are you a member? Who do you know? <laughs> it's like, harkens back, like, old, like, imperialistic establishment. <laughs> yeah. Who, Masonic Lodge. I, I say, I don't recognize your face. Are you what band are you in, my good man? Yes. Talk, man, you seven seconds, I say. <laughs> Quite a hardcore band they are. Hardcore band. I just always want to do that voice. I just want an excuse to that voice at all times. You can bust it out any time. Uh, I just did. You can do that Gilman. It's a free-for-all. You can, you can be who you want to be. Right, you can be like, that's the funny thing, how that older punk shit worked where... I feel like maybe it's, it kind of bled, bled into No Wave a bit, mm-hmm. but there was, there's certain punk elements that didn't make it outside of, it didn't um, make it outside the era, mm-hmm. and it's stuff where it's like the punk who is being punk in the way that they are really into wearing a fucking top hat yeah. or some dumb shit. You know what I mean? It's yeah, like that, like, yeah. oh, that's Benji. He's a weirdo, but he's like a punk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I kind of was like that. I mean, I... I dressed like really kind of like preppy, kind of like the way I'm dressed now, yeah. you know. But like a lot of my friends had sleeves, tattoos, really? and all then. sorts of shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty hardcore back then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It was it was really in in fashion then. Like people didn't even think about getting a tattoo. There's always talk about what your sleeve was gonna be. You know. What year is this? Um, this is like early. 2000s, so okay. like 2002, 2003, 2001. That this, was like when I was in high school. Okay. Not when I was 10 years old. Yeah, yeah. That took a little bit. I was going to say that would be like pretty crazy that, if it was happening that long ago. Yeah. That's child abuse. What were the bands that were playing then? Um, I mean, I went to a lot of local shows. A lot of like me and my friends yeah. were in bands and stuff. Um, what was the name of your band? The first um, band? I was a bit of a late bloomer. Uh-huh. I would guest star as a screamer on my, oh my friend's bands <laughs> and so I'd come out for the last song and just scream pick up a mic yeah it would be a duet a lot of the times wow um, <laughs> That's but it was kind of the best because I would go to all the shows and I got a little little taste of the stage but right. you know just just had to do one song yeah. how bad could it be and it's like the guy who skanks for the, the ska yeah, band that was me on that stage was... you know fadem right you know fadem yeah. was a skanker he was he's an on stage skanker oh my god like it's like the most it's probably the most embarrassing thing that a person has ever said <laughs> yeah. is that and he freely admits and yeah he's I, happy I think about he's it? i think he's okay with it yeah i mean yeah I, i'm sure i look ridiculous funny. i mean i would i would you know, pit it up pretty hard and get pumped oh, for the show. Like high kicks? Yeah, do some high kicks. Were you straight wheels. edge? I was straight edge, so I was 23 years old. Whoa, okay. Listeners, <laughs> if you don't know... Listeners, we're about to explain the concept edge. of straight edge. If you haven't ever heard what straight edge is, <laughs> tell them what straight edge is, what it means. Straight edge is a philosophy. It's a group of people that band together under... The understood notion that they will not drink, not smoke, and here's the crucial one, 
not fuck around. And that third one, I didn't know this actually, honestly, I didn't know it. I mean, it's really not drinking, not smoking, but if you want to get into it, there's like this third aspect of it that's like, some people have interpreted it as like no sex, right? which is not true. Okay. You know, but it was more, I think, understood of like, don't fuck around, be true, be true to other people, be true, be true to, to yourself, be true to your word, don't lie. The word. Don't lie. You know, just be a, a straightforward person. Be be upfront. Right. Not not bad, I guess, in hindsight. But you know, my uh, my experience of it is that it ends up creating this uh, um, kind of emotional distance. Oh, it does. How so? You think it's well, like the opposite? Well, I mean, you have your brothers in arms. You know, right? It's a it's a place to belong. It's a place to very familial. Yes. But Which is, like, means family, I think. Yes. But <laughs> when you're defining yourself by things that you don't do, then it, it I think it, it has a tendency to lead towards judgment of those that do it. I, so I agree. It, a group I agree. is better defined by the things that they do than the things they don't do. Yeah. You know, think... it becomes this idea of restriction and, um, you know, limited possibility for, you know, I mean, and so... I, <laughs> I, I I always had one foot in, one foot out, because I also was really into metal. Oh. Like death metal. Like really extreme music. That's fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. oh. So that kept me grounded. That kept yeah. me, uh, you know, not fully X'd up, not fully... You know, picking fights with smokers. And you stuff. gotta <laughs> picking fights with smokers is the name. Look I want a out. movie to be named that so fucking bad. Picking fights with yeah. smokers. I mean, and it's all suburban uh, kids. You know, like yeah. they're looking for conflict. They're looking, looking for, for something, something, anything. Just gotta have something. You're like, like, yeah. I gotta be about something to say or do. Yeah. That God. was us. That was yeah. us. My first exposure to hardcore or uh, that kind of thing was my freshman year in college at Florida State. Uh-huh. There was a kid named Chris. I think his name, his name was Chris P. <laughs> nice guy. He wore had the white belt. He had a, a triple X lipped, inside his lip tattoo. Mm-hmm. He was a vegan. God bless Didn't him. smoke or drink. But, like, the guy, like, was always hanging out. Like, always, like, talking to girls. Like, super gamesman dude. Yeah. But he... I remember really early on thinking that, okay, this is just something to be about. Yeah. This it. is just something that, it's like, who am I? Oh, I'm straight edge. You yeah. say all the time, oh, I'm vegan, dude. I'm vegan. Mm-hmm. He'd say mm-hmm. stuff like, damn, man, Minute Maid makes some straight up good badass apple juice. <laughs> stuff like that. Like, dude, you sound like the biggest fucking dork I've ever heard in my life. I know. And I'm from Minnesota. Yeah. Like, I mean, the only... The most positive aspect of it is that if you're not going to parties, you're not doing these things, you have to come up with, like, fun things to do yeah. you know like weird things like you know digging ditches and on the beach in the middle of the night <laughs> like that's what we were doing that's funny yeah you would so, dig a ditch in the beach yeah i remember there's a period like a summer where we're just like we're really into digging holes to throw like a smoker's body <laughs> <laughs> nope just the hole just, just the void dig a fucking, how deep would you go i mean it depended on what time we got started if you're hardcore and straight edge you can do stuff that other people can't because it's like right. limited limitless potential there's like this determination straight edge kids <laughs> yeah. have that weird determination it's just so fucking intense. Yeah. It's like, yeah. bro. And the world tends to revolve around you. I mean, that, that's the negative stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, it, it creates this kind of myopic uh, kind of thinking, you know? Yeah. That it's, it's really, I think it's good for period, you know? Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't recommend sticking around. So you didn't get exes? I didn't get exes. So you got no tats? I have no tats. I'm a clean boy. I knew a dude who uh, had a big calf tat that said, it was like a cartoon and it had 
on it said still ill. <laughs> I think that had something to do with being straight edge. But he still was still ill. I've never heard that one, but I don't know. It's, it's possible. Some straight edge shit. It's some possible. Like, uh, hardcore kid. Uh, some emo shit. Yeah, think, some emo right? shit. Yeah, yeah, that was. I had no idea. So don't fuck around. But where does that even? Where does all this stuff even come from? Well, I mean, I guess the the origins of it started. I mean, it's kind of interesting because it kind of starts much like kind of religion by like a, a the minor threat uh, had a song them? called Straight Edge. Yeah, and, and they're from DC, right? They're from DC. It's Discord. Discord Records. Yeah, okay. that's, yeah, and you know, uh, so and that's how they let. That's how they lived. And I, I, they put X's on their hands because it was a negotiation with the with the bars, which were the only places to play. Oh. And so we'll X up our hands if you let us into the show, like so that you know that we're not going to drink. Yeah, because they were underage. Because they were underage. And mm. so then what you have is like after Minor Threat, you have this... Um, you know, new kids like uh, a lot of East Coasters and some yeah. on the West that then kind of took in those lyrics and ran wild within and formed like youth crew movements and and all these groups that took it quite literally and adopted it as like a kind of uh, group mentality. It's so interesting. I had no idea that makes so much more sense now. It's like a thing where it's like it's almost like in a weird way. You know, like what cargo cult is. No. It's just weird. I think it's. I'm thinking. I'm saying it right. Oh, it's this weird oh, phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you'd probably do know what it is. It's yeah, that yeah. thing where the island. Yeah. Where they, where they saw the airplanes as gods, and so they would build, yes. like control towers out of wood and build stuff out of wood because they thought it would made them come back because they always brought cargo about goods. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, this is so precious. Mm-hmm. This is so much good shit. So they just misinterpreted a, a foreign message essentially. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like. Like not obviously not the same degree, but that's yeah. like funny that no, it is. It's a misinterpretation yeah. of, of a message, or it's a exaggeration at the very yeah. least. And you know, so it's gone through so many different iterations, and there's even been like, I mean, yeah, like you know, I mean, most of the time it doesn't lead to violence, but there are some examples of like some like straight edge gangs that like 2020 did Dateline did like exposes oh, really? on. I've been like looking into those things on YouTube like recently. That's so funny. I just didn't, I didn't realize that was such a thing because mm-hmm. I knew hardcore kids and stuff, but they were just like. Wear black short shorts and would do yeah. high kicks in a mosh pit yeah. and be like over enthusiastic about stuff that didn't need to be that enthusiastic about. Yeah, I mean that was partially me, but they're all, you know, crying on the inside for sure. Yeah. It's a it's a big posture, you know. It's being t- being a tough guy. It's something to be about. Yeah, something to be about. That's so interesting. Yeah. So you were so you were into metal too back yeah. then, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, big time. Do you have some metal? You bring? Did you bring some metal? Well, I brought like this. Strange record. I didn't bring any like metal per se, but I brought okay. like that Naked City record. Oh yeah, I I queued that up on here. But if you have it on vinyl, yeah, I do. You should play it on vinyl. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have a fucking. All right, we I have do a now? fucking deck. We yeah, go ahead and you can. <laughs> we can um we we have a legit. I brought the turntable in for. Oh. <laughs> I had to put the. Oh, I know why. I know why. Oh nice. Turn the channel down real quick, Matt. I'm gonna flip it to line. Okay, now try it. Okay. Okay. And we're back. Okay, we just had to switch the turntable to give it a line level signal because we don't have a uh, amplifier to boost the phono signal. You know, all you fucking nerds know about that shit. (laughs) Okay, so this is Bonehead. Bonehead. This is the band by Naked City. Torture Gardens, the album. What year is this? Um, I think this is like 90. 90? Yeah, hit it. Ah! Mm. 
easy listening. That fucking scream is rad. I know. I think that's a sax. It's a cat? It's a sax. Sounds like It's a cat. That could be. So this is the longest track on this album, and it's a minute long. Wow. And that's Yamataka Ai on the vocals from the Boredoms. Oh, really? Yeah, he was a vocalist. This is rad. Yeah. That was it. That's it. Okay. Damn. So, Bonehead by Naked City. Bonehead, Naked City, Torture Garden. So Torture Garden's the album. Torture Garden's the album. Okay. So, um, I brought that in <laughs> because, like, I heard that album in uh, high school, like senior year of high school. Yeah. I was watching this movie. Um, what Mike, movie? Uh, Funny Games by Michael oh, Henneke. Jesus Christ. And, uh, yeah, and that, and so. The opening is that in that movie? Yes, the original. The, yes, and the remake, which okay. was shot, shot s- for shot remake. Yeah, by the I same director. I haven't seen the remake. I mean, you don't need to. Yeah, just see the original, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the opening of that movie is like you have this uh, high class uh, white German family on the way to like a, a lake house. A lake house, and they're Good playing. Horse, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, they're playing this game where they're trying to guess the classical. Uh, composer uh-huh. and they're switching CDs in and out of their car with their like a ten-year-old kid. It's Kaiden, yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. And then they put in a CD, and then like a YouTube prankster, like this song comes on, like you know, oh, as if they're like listening to it or something. It's a type of invasion of their space, you know, that the movie is like basically flipping them off, right? And like saying like fuck you, like don't. Fuck these people. <laughs> like, but that's that, how I interpret it. That's what comes... I don't remember that in the movie. That's what happens. Yeah, the then, song comes in there? Yeah, and then it's just titled Funny, Funny Games, Games, and it goes through all this stuff. How do you think Haneke found this... Or who is this band? I mean, he was sick. I mean, well, John Zorn is, like, a kind of a favorite of uh, experimental or avant-garde folk, and I'm sure someone tipped him to it, or, or maybe he maybe he knew about did it. Did Zorn do the soundtrack? So Zorn, that it came... He didn't do the soundtrack, but he had two songs in the movie, and this was one of them. And Wait, what do you mean? This is a John Zorn? This is a John Zorn song. John Zorn's band was called Naked City. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so this is John Zorn. I didn't realize that he dabbled in anything like that sounded anything like this. Because yeah. I know John Zorn to be a avant-garde jazz musician. Yeah, see, that's okay. where it all, like, uh, different people come to him for different from different paths. Yeah. You know? And I grew up with, like, punk and metal. Right. So I heard this. I'm like, I have never heard a punk band or metal band sound like this. Right. And that got me, it, that was like my like backdoor into like free jazz. And because, you know, wow. he was a huge Albert Eiler fan. And, right. Uh, uh, Ornette Coleman, he did a whole Ornette Coleman covers album. And, and you know, Maricone. I mean, it really opened the doors musically. He's for, a real far out dude. Yeah, he's very far out. Yeah, very, he very likes far a, out. He's like one of those people that I feel like, uh, a lot of people know. Yeah. And he just sort of is always around. It seems like 
Like, doesn't Jim Jarmusch have some relationship with him? I'm sure, yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think so. Yeah, I mean, uh, they were all in New York at the same They're time. Cats. They're all cats, man. They're all, like, New York... New York what? Cats, Lower East Side, Knitting Factory. Yeah, yeah, they're all part of that scene. He was he was friends with all the No Wave people like Arto Lindsay oh. and Kuramori, DNA and Mars and all those. Bands. All that stuff is to me. I think I I made a mix for the pod for the Patreon uh, uh-huh. listeners last month, like a a real basic, not basic, just like starter kit, a sampling of the my favorite No Wave stuff. Oh, and that to, that's like one of those genres that I feel like is kind of. Uh, like it's every it's so many different things at the yeah. same time. Yeah, and the epitome of cool. Like I oh, can't really. Yeah, the best. <laughs> I can't think of any other cooler aesthetic or mm-hmm. look or vibe. I, everything about it is so yeah. interesting. But yeah, the I mean yeah. So this track like just really. Um, I, I mean like he he got into hardcore as a as a composer as a jazz musician yeah. was hearing. Like bands like Napalm Death, like grindcore bands in England, oh, shit. and just thinking about like the speed and and, and like extreme nature of their music, and 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 saw these parallels with like free jazz certainly, and like other... it definitely is because you feel like there's a I feel like with metal that I like, like a lot of thrash metal mm-hmm. mainly, yeah. But I also do like I got into a lot of black metal. That's how I kind of got into Me it. Me too. There yeah. is a sound to it that's almost relaxing because it's so. <laughs> yes. It's so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like, you. I'm trying to think of this song. I'm putting on the song right now. You know that song, The Freezing Moon? Mm, it's a song, whom? I think it's by uh, Dark Throne. Oh, I'm sure. I'm oh, sure now I this is it. not working, of course. The internet, of course. Why would it work if I wanted Why to? Why would it? Come on, Why would Dark it work Throne. when in a moment I'm like, oh, I can just pull this up easily? <laughs> it's so funny how that shit works. Oh, you want to, hey. Hey, welcome to Sprint Network. <laughs> Want to bring it up easily? Oh, not right now. Now we need it. No. I know what you're looking up. Whatever. Well, I'll fucking... Maybe I'll put it in post. Yeah, put I'll it in allow post. myself to put in a clip from... Can you mark it? The Freezing Moon by... Dark I think Throne. it's either Mayhem or Dark Throne. Okay. One of the two greats. There's this badass compilation that the drummer from Dark Throne, Fenrez, put together mm-hmm. called... I think it's called the best of black metal or something <laughs> like that. It's Monster really dumb. Jams. You know, I've got all my fucking. I've got it on here. I have you the have actual it. song. Oh, okay, great. Let me find it because I'm gonna play this now because I just I'm thinking about this. I think I've never played this on the podcast. I'm honored. Pick the right guest. Yes, that's what I like about doing this. You know, it's like one thing leads mm-hmm. to another, mm-hmm. leads to another, mm-hmm. and it just it's what happens. That's right. What was the, oh, here? It is. It's mayhem. <laughs> Just the same, I think it's the same uh, key almost. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is like early black metal. Saw blade kind of guitar. This is a long song. Yeah. You know what, but that's not the one I really want to play, I think. I think what I really want to play is a Burzum song. Oh, yeah, that's what you want. The Brian Eno of black metal. The Brian Eno <laughs> of black metal. Like, this shit to me, I was I was working on a TV show, like, seven years ago, a travel show. I would come home, I would uh, drink, like, really strong 10% alcohol, Russian Imperial Stout, 
smoke train wreck ultra uh. turn off all the lights and put this on and lay in the bed yeah. with Brit and we just listen to this the whole record in the darkness <laughs> it's just relentless yeah I love it but it's also kind of like it's like weirdly calming you know yeah it's enveloping yeah you know and you know I mean it's like anesthesia I, I, I I'm half serious about the Brian Eno remark just because of all black metal artists like he thought about the way things were recorded uh-huh. and and we tried to create the coldest sounds you yeah know? and like I find that so fascinating so I think like, it's really cool yeah next level of, of darkness of coldness you've seen you that documentary right oh yeah yeah I mean Listeners, too bad he is who he is he is I mean I, I feel like it kind of goes with the terror yeah that's yeah. what you gotta have is that you fun, have to. that scream screech owl It's convincing. It is. You know? Sounds like murder. Yeah. I mean, he did murder someone. Yeah. Yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> Fuck! Yeah. Oh. It's almost too good to, to listen to the whole thing. I know. Well, yeah, because well, oh. Varg, Varg, Vilk- Varg, Varg Vilkanis, yes. he's, I think that's one of those things when you have, you're super, a very intelligent, very driven person that... When you get off track, you get a deep off track, and mm-hmm. he sort of went down that path of. Yeah, I almost got to see that documentary. It's called "Until, Until the Light Takes Us," I mm-hmm, believe. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's so interesting because they show him and they show Fenres, and then you see that guy from what's that band called Frost? Oh, yeah, Satyricon. Frost from Satyricon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's kind of like full of shit. Yeah, like he's not cool, but it's weird how he somehow has actually become more of a face for that genre than anyone else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a strange thing how things get morphed. Well, black metal was a there was a huge resurgence of it in San Francisco mm. when I when I lived up there as well. And so there's yeah. this record store. Have you ever heard of Aquarius Records? Absolutely, it's yeah. one of the greatest record stores on the planet. Thank you for saying that. They I have, have a, a great. Uh, I remember being a re- working in a record store in Florida, and that was the thing we'd always look at what they were listing yeah. and the mixes oh. they would put out and stuff. It's Their write ups. Oh. I tell people about that too. I have to look through my emails yeah. and and because it's offline now. You know, it's gone. But did you uh, work there? No, but okay. I, I like lived there. I wow. loved Andy. I mean, he was a huge. The owner of of Aquarius, like right. a- Andy and Alan, like they were guiding lights for me. Like mm-hmm. I, I would walk in the store and say, "What do I buy?" Right. What do I buy? Like I, I have no. I know. I just you know. I knew that they have impeccable taste, and I'd read all the reviews. And yeah, and they developed this entire. They were very supportive. Like. If you had a band, they would sell your CDR, and they would sell That's like a cool. hundred of them to wow. kids in Russia and stuff because they would do these extravagant write-ups. It doesn't matter if it was like Justin Timberlake or some right. some kid making a black metal album on a four track. People would go the to their site notice. too. Yeah. People would check it out because they were they were notorious. Not so much notorious, but what's the word? They were known for being like a a source of quality. Like they yes. had, a, if yeah. they liked it, it was because it was good. Yeah, and so what happened is like. Partially from them and some other, like, you know, uh, Aquarius-adjacent folks, you had a lot of black metal cropping up in San yeah. Francisco. Like, like new black metal. New black metal. This guy, oh. Leviathan, wow. was a big uh, proponent of this one-man black metal kind of idea. And this band, Weakling, was wow. like, they're legendary. They broke up before their album came out. You know? That's and, hilarious. And Aquarius put out their record. So, I don't know, I was really into a lot of that stuff, like, in college and, and after college. And I was just into it because I just love the idea that 
they fucking hated everybody. Yeah. And they wanted everyone out. Yeah. Like the idea of being against, like, oh, we don't hate Jewish people. Uh, We hate all religions. Yeah. You're all invaders. Yeah. You're all the same. Just the idea that they'd say Judeo-Christian, like, Mm -hmm. you're all invaders and you're all taking from us what was the Norse tradition of having multiple gods by bringing in the idea of, oh, there's one God here. We'll build a church. Yeah. Just it, the badassness of burning down a church to me, just like, holy shit. <laughs> I, know. I know, right? Yeah. I mean, there, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, um, it, it's the type of thing, especially like at that age that where you are so frustrated or like, right. it's really intoxicating to be around like mm-hmm. that kind of like nihilistic drive. Totally. I think for me also, it's the thing where, I mean, I still feel this way now, just the idea of, People who are very precious about things, I'm mm-hmm. always very skeptical of someone being very precious about a mm-hmm. thing. It's like, this is just a thing. We need to destroy this. Like, yeah. You should be, you should want, I mean, it's, it, it's like, kind of like very religious in some sense. It's like the idea of, of you could say it's the idea of, of uh, uh, who sacrificed his firstborn son for God. It's like that. It's a like thing where- Abraham? Uh, it's, it's, of all the things to misspeak about, Matt, Matt he's giving a thumbs up to Abraham. Yes, what to say, Moses? Don't get me wrong. I like the fucking emails. Uh, yeah, I, I imagine if my listeners are like, "How dare you how get dare it wrong? You. Moses didn't kill." But then he could have. We don't know. He could have. Maybe he, he did could've. too. He probably did. It's a copycat They're killer. Killing their sons left and right. Like, a copycat killer. It's like you're so ball, you're so like in. You're yeah. so committed that. You're just yeah, uh, fuck that. Yeah, like I will kill my yeah. yes, I oh, love yeah. God so much. I will, I I'll will ki- kill my son for you. <laughs> yeah. It's the I same thing. It. It's like uh, we think you're, we hate you so much. We're gonna burn down <laughs> this thing that's a uh, that has it's it's priceless. It's yes. literally pr- oh. a priceless work of of human They're ingenuity and art. You're gonna burn it down. It's something like that thing where I don't know. I just love the idea. Any type of destroying of um, I guess that that is what to me that kind of is what punk is in its essence is just the destruction of material goods in the face of mm, I like that definition. You know what I mean? It's in like the face a, of it's like fuck all this stuff. Fuck yeah. stuff. Fuck stuff. Yeah, are you alive? Fuck everything would be black metal. Fuck stuff would be punk. Right. <laughs> fuck everything. Um, I mean what you're talking about though about the preciousness, it's funny that the the irony is that like uh, all the black metal people I, I hope I don't get in trouble for this, but like say nobody is more precious than a black metal <laughs> fucking fan. Purist, like, purist, pure. oh, oh, you it's not pure black metal. Oh, yeah, that font is it's not pure. That's not pure. It's not black metal. It, yeah, there's it's the most rigid form of of music I I've ever come across. Yeah, like in terms of what is in, what is not, and it depends on who you're talking to. But I worked at uh, Amoeba Records in San Francisco uh-huh. for like five years, and there's this. There's a couple of guys there that are amazing, but one guy, uh, his name was uh, Stevel, <laughs> and uh, he had a band called Crabane. Okay, that was really cool. There, you would probably really like them. Crabane. Uh, Crabane. They, with a K. It, with a with a C. C like crab. S- yeah, Bane? like yeah, essentially. Okay. I think it's a Lord of the Rings reference, oh, of course. That's a deep dip. Yeah, right. Um, but like, I mean, they were always mouthing off about what was and what was not yeah. black metal, and they kind of had like a, a little mini throne because they were the kings of the local scene. I'll and, tell you what that is. That is one hundred percent a mini throne. Yes, yeah, so that a, is a mini the definition. Throne. A that dark is, throne's mini that throne. That should be the new way to describe <laughs> scene stuff. Mini throne. It's a fucking mini throne. Get off it's your mini the throne. tiniest. Throne. Yeah. it's like standing on. 
a fucking box of Tic Tacs yeah. and calling it like a mountain. <laughs> yeah, just like standing on your big toe on like a little tiny little throne. Indier than thou. Yes. Yeah. Blacker metal than thou. Yeah. Yeah, that shit, it's definitely, it's a slippery slope. And it's yeah. the kind of thing where the second you get out of it, you realize, oh, that was just the smallest thing ever. Yes. The most myopic, like, we're just, we can't see outside of ourselves and see how absurd it is that, like, I don't know if those guys are real. Oh, I mean, it's so protective. I mean, they're just trying to protect. Oh, yeah. I get that idea, though. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been I've a pretentious? Def- like, I've definitely done yeah, it. Yeah, me too. Oh, a lot. It's the kind of thing I've, I'm like, literally, not literally, I, I feel embarrassed about probably things I've said to people. Mm-hmm, me too. Like, sort of uh, talking down to them about yes. music or sort of judging someone's <sighs> taste in a way mm-hmm. that is really dismissive. Mm-hmm. But I think I've gotten over that quite a long time ago when I started starting to realize that the idea of having a guilty pleasure to me, I think it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Or any sort of listening to something ironically, I think it's bullshit because I don't think that's possible. Right. Because music that, is just emotional. Yeah. It's a construct it. that you're doing to, to, to separate yourself from the thing so you don't feel like you are... Poisoning like this, your taste. This, I'll play a song I listened to this morning Do it. that I listened to... You could say I was listening. I'm laughing as I'm listening to it, so maybe it is ironic. But it is something where I'm listening to this song, and oh, I can't fucking play it. <laughs> oh, maybe I can play it on my phone yeah, or some shit. Oh, what I'm talking about is a guy named Blake Shelton, Wait. and it's like it's country music. It's okay. like big fucking big ass country mm-hmm. music stuff, and it is so new. So, this is new. Oh yeah, it's new. He's Gwen Stefani's husband. He's on The Voice, Blake oh. Shelton. It's, um, he's like, okay, here we go. Here's one for you. <laughs> oh, God, this is so bad. Do but it. it's also like a thing where I'm listening, I'm enjoying listening to this because it's just so, it's like McDonald's. Yeah. It's like, because it's, nice it's so indulgent. Well, this is nice now, but yeah. wait till they start singing. Almost could be Steely Dan or something. Yeah. <laughs> Crashing into Ooh. me like waves oh. on the coast. Every time we talk, you move in close. I don't want you to stop. I don't want you to stop tonight. We got the last two glasses on a straw hut bar. Trying to remember what a number we are. String of white lights making your eyes shine tonight. The chorus of these songs always is like a fucking hurricane when it hits you all. I like that. I like that build-up. I'm imagining this right now. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's such a, like, the lyrics are so fucking good. They started with that, yeah. and they built the song around. Your this lips is, taste like sangria. got 86 million plays on Spotify. Of course. What gets me about this song? Like this is this is what the song is. Yeah. It's just it's, it's it. one sound. Yeah. I'm. Oh, it's all the same. This is the next one. It's called Honeybee. This is like his most popular songs. Okay. Someone down down like a donut I want to be a Siamese twin with you. <laughs> That's my new lyric to him. Girl, I 
been thinking about being Stymie's twins. Don't want to swim with the shared arm. Got a shared brain. I would love that one. Got a shared brain. Got a shared brain. Got a shared brain. I would love that one. No, this is, this is like pharmaceutical yeah, right here, right? Going by the summer down up there, taking on my test. It's like you're waiting for test results. Yes. I mean, this enough. Yeah. But it's like that thing is, I'm laughing my ass off about it because it's just how indulgent it is. Mm-hmm. But I'm still listening to it. Yeah, you're listening to it. I'm yeah, listening I'm just, to it. And yeah. it's like, laughs, joke's on me. Yeah. Because I played that song. And you're going to play it again. I'm going to play it again. <laughs> yeah. And there's all this country now. This country, like Flat Bell Country. You know about this shit? No, I don't. It's my personal name for it. Flat Bell? Flat Bill. Like Flat, flat Bill, Bill Cap. Oh, flat Bill. Okay. Like it's country yeah. dudes who are like in their, you know, 20s, 30s, and they dress like, they wear like fucking Jordans. Right. And ripped right. jeans and flat bill cast. But right. it's like, I'm going down like a daddy. It's the same thing. But just a different look. I can't different. find it now, but. Yeah. Oh my God. It's just deliciously. <laughs> it's a scene that you can't believe. Oh my God, this exists. And this is not a joke. But you also have such scorn for. It's use in like a marketing situation, so you're able to separate that. Yeah, I, I guess it's this thing where I kind of, for me, okay, we're, we're talking about like talking down to people about music and feeling holier than thou. I guess to me, there's a part of me when I was a lot younger that was really uh, susceptible mm-hmm. and gullible to marketing and commercials. Mm-hmm. Like I was the guy who, I was the kid, kid who parrot the commercial, but we gotta get this cause it's got, it's got fuel injection and the yeah, dumb shit yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. So there's part of me that like hates that younger me who was so susceptible. But at the same time, I also really enjoy a product that's super refined and like, just like this clean, uh, it's like, it's so devoid of anything. It's been sure. just like picked clean by a team of experts to make this. What's the most digestible sound we can make? Yeah. What's the sound? What's the sound? What's the sound that we can make that just is so easy to digest that people will be helpless? They have to swallow it. You can't say no to ice cream. You can't say no to Blake shit. That kind of thing, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it yeah. just something about. It just feels so good to. It's almost like we we're talking about before. Like you get oppressed by the sound. Yeah. Like the heaviness of a sound. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. It is the most like abstracted. You like uh. cleaned up instead of the, it's the opposite of burzum, but in yeah. the same way it is burzum. In, in its approach, it, it's like it's blasphemous to like the sense of an organic space for music to exist. It's uh-huh. completely erasing that. Yeah. It's nothing. It's know? so dead. It's <laughs> purely dead. Yeah. It's dead it's music. Been, it's been written by nine people. Yeah. Everything has been trimmed and clean. Like the Nashville system has just run it through the McDonald's filter. Oh, yeah. And it comes out and fucking tastes good. <laughs> it tastes so fucking good. Mm. Uh, there's that one song by this guy, Dirks Bentley. You heard that? Mm-mm. Sitting on a Beach. Sitting on a Beach. It's the best song ever. Sitting on a Beach. And it's like the lyrics are perfect. Did he say sitting on a beach? Or is it like smells like teen spirit? He says, he doesn't say it. He says, no, he's not sitting on a beach, right? It's somewhere on a beach. Somewhere on a beach. I'm somewhere on a beach. I like that. Sipping something strong. Got a new girl. She's got it going on. She's got a body and she's (laughs) naughty and she's got me like you ain't never got me. Okay. I'm something, I'm something so, 
I don't even know the lyrics, but I'm, I'm something down, setting strong. I ain't slept in a week. I'm That's somewhere on a beach. All right. Uh, uh, <laughs> you hear it? I mean, uh, I think I'd have to hear it. You have to hear it, and in the right condition. Yeah, definitely right. You know. Maybe not now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I want should... to. I want to ask about like record collecting, if I can. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering, like, ask when... how do we do it? Okay, what you do? Yeah, what do you do? When did, did you, you get start? obsessed with the genre? When... <laughs> <laughs> I think I started when I was about fifteen, maybe fourteen, because I got really into house music. Because mm. my friend, uh, I think I so all guys started. I was into Fat Boy Slim. Yeah. Okay, here's what happened. My dad used to travel a lot for work, and I think he went to London, and I asked him to bring me back, like, something really cool. And he mm-hmm. went to the HMV store in London. Mm-hmm. I think I read some article in the New Yorker when I was a kid about HMV. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've always wanted to go to one. They didn't have They had one, like, in London. and had one in fucking New York. Yeah. But I went to London, and he bought me this Carl Cox. was a DJ. Mm-hmm. It was a compilation called Fact, F-A-C-T, Futuristic Alliance of Communication and Technology. <sighs> And it was a two-disc compilation that had everyone, everyone on that compilation went on, half of them went on to become huge, like, techno people. Oh. Chemical Brothers, oh, wow. Green Velvet, Fatboy Slim, tons of them. There's tons of them on there. And I was like, Dad, is this cool? He's like, I don't know, Johnny. I got it from a guy with black fingernails. <laughs> I don't know, Johnny. And so <laughs> and I was like, oh, that must be cool. Some guy with black fingernails yeah, recommended good. it. Yeah. I listened to the shit out of it. I got really into Fatboy Slim. Then I found Fatboy Slim's album at New Orleans and Tower Records. Uh-huh. Listened to the shit out of that. And I got into Chemical Brothers somehow. I heard them. And then I just I made friends with my friend Dave Parisi because he, long story short, he had my dad operated on him. And so we became friends because he, I was like, I don't remember. We were like in the same space, and he was like helping me out because I had surgery too. So he was like, you know, being a friend to me. Uh-huh. But he like he was like, Dave has like the deepest taste of any person I've ever met. Like yeah. he's always digging, stays up till three o'clock in the morning researching. He just knows about everything Discog that's sound. cooler than cool. Yeah. And he hit me with a lot of like techno, heavy techno stuff, like yeah. like heavy Detroit, real hardcore shit. Okay. Yeah. And we would go see uh, shows up in Minneapolis, like see ESP Woody McBride, who's like this. Acid House. Acid House kind of mm-hmm. started in the Midwest. It's like that heavy, like, started squeaky. started in the Midwest? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it started in Detroit and Minneapolis oh, and okay. Wisconsin, yeah. like yeah, in uh, Milwaukee and shit. Okay. But we that's how I got into that, because we go to the record store. We go to the dance shop. It was uh, Let It Be Records in Minneapolis. Mm. Downstairs, they had the dance shop. We spent hours there, because I, I didn't live in Minneapolis. We had to go up there, and so we'd, you know, spend, you'd be, be a fucking trip. Mm-hmm. To go up there, take drive up with some friends, and we. I was really into buying house records because I wanted to be a, a DJ, a DJ yeah, uh, like play, be a fucking. DJ. And I think I bought turntables my freshman year of college and started playing house house records and some breaks stuff and trance. Yeah. That's how I got into record collecting. But then I'd also had been in a uh, a band in high school. Where I played a lot of jazz. So I was really into oh. jazz. So I was into buying CDs and stuff. But yeah. then. I got really into like R and B and soul mm-hmm. in college, um, just for whatever reason. And that that to me that was the real black hole with record collecting was buying older records, mm-hmm. buying like sixties R and B. Yeah. Um, I say singles or no, it was like twelve inches. Yeah, yeah. But okay. mainly funk. I was really into funk. Mm-hmm. And then. I mean, I guess that was where I got started really into collecting because I was DJing. Mm-hmm. I was DJing a lot. 
like out at parties, I would DJ friends' parties. Any chance I could get, I would DJ. But the thing that really fucking got me was starting when I started to get into reggae. Yeah. And that was like a true black hole. I'm still in it. That's still your hole. Yeah, that's still a thing where if I had to liquidate all my records tomorrow, which I should do because mm-hmm. they're just that's sitting there, yeah. they're fucking dusty, and I'll touch <laughs> half, even like a, I'd probably oh, yeah. touch like 10% of them. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's a real double-edged kind of sword uh, yeah. for me. Like, I, I, I've I, been collecting kind of since I was about 20. I uh, I used to have these huge CD case logic. Right, you know, the uh, books. Co- the books. Yeah, man. And I had the biggest one you could buy, you know, full of, of CDs. And I had, and they got stolen out of my car twice. Uh, just, you know, taken. I left it on the seat or yeah. something. So the second time that happened to me, which was my entire collection of, of music that it I hurts. had up until that It point. hurts a lot. Yeah, and it was like I was, I, there was no other way to get it. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you're fucked. And so uh, I just wanted, I honestly, I was just like, well, I'm not going to bring records into the car. So yeah, if I buy records. <laughs> yeah, so they're too big. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's truly like how I started was just wow. like pragmatically, like, I'm not going to be stupid and leave these in my car. Oh, okay. That's and interesting. So, yeah, and then I like worked at Amoeba and, and and just you know going to all these record stores in San Francisco and you know the worst thing about working at a music store is that everyone there like no matter what you like they're gonna find the equivalent in their genre of expertise. So it's like if you right. like Black Flag, here's the country, here's the Black Flag of country, right. here's the Black Flag of free jazz. All you have to know is one band you like, mm-hmm. and you end up with like the most you know eclectic, esoteric taste. Oh, I have so much. I worked at a record store for maybe six months, and I just have so many records I would never have otherwise just because yeah. you get first pick of what's coming in <laughs> yeah. used, and yep. just you find out about stuff from other people. It was, uh, it's great. It's terrible and great at the same time mm-hmm. yeah it's always it's like a place to i always go to a record store wherever i go to like a new uh city or, or town and i love talking about it with people but it's also like my default thing to do if i'm like anxious or depressed yeah I'm at the record store and i i sometimes i have this out of body moment where i'm like flipping through records and it's like this isn't gonna help yeah, <laughs> I, I think for me i realized that about a year and a half ago because I, I put myself on a freeze Mm. I mean, I, saw, I, I broke the freeze a bunch, but I broke it sort of like, okay, I'm just going to buy this one. Yes. Because I started buying a lot of doubles and triples of stuff. Because <laughs> I was like, play. oh, this record, I have to get this to give to someone. Oh, okay. Like, if I see if I see the uh, Booker T and the MGs McClemore Avenue, I'm going to buy it. Yeah. If I see um, if I see Rock a Baby by George McRae, I'm going to buy it. Mm-hmm. If I see, uh, those are the two I'll definitely always buy. Mm-hmm. There's certain reggae records I'll buy in an instant if I say, oh, uh, this is I have to buy this and just yeah. give it to someone. Take this, that take this, drink from it. Yeah, this is the body and blood of Lord, <laughs> Lord Jesus Christ who's died. Yeah, yes. But now I feel like I only want to have just stuff that's like super special that I can't. I know I can't replace, and everything else is kind of just. I don't know because if mean, you're not when, a DJ, yeah, like I the know. whole point is if you're a DJ, it's one thing, but I don't DJ really enough at all to make it worth having all that Me especially too. the fucking singles too i've got some uh, you've got some crazy singles I'm sure like shit that's like oh my god this is so good but see, oh, do you... <laughs> oh, oh, it's so fucking good do you keep the ones that are the most valuable and rare or do you keep the ones you actually listen to or or is it a combination of both it's a combination. like in your dream of like thinning the herd yeah i mean i i can only see like six records yeah. It's a Yuzo Yohama record I would probably keep. Mm-hmm. I'd probably keep um, my first George McRae. George McRae, I get uh, Brock Baby. It's got the I Get Lifted on it. Mm. I might keep, um, this is 
band called Fellfarben. It's this like kraut band, like late kraut band, 74. I'd probably keep mm-hmm. that. I'd probably keep there's a couple of songs I used to play as a DJ all the time that would just get people. Like, what, get people what is this? Yeah. There's this guy, uh, Carlos, what's his name? Uh, so, something Carlos. He has a song called Oh Intim. It's just like Brazilian shit from 69 that mm-hmm. is just. Like this is unbelievable. It's un, it's undeniably good. Yeah, yeah. That's probably that. That's it's probably a pretty That's short stack need. of them. Yeah, yeah. You don't need more than twenty. But the problem is getting rid of them. I know you can't sell them. I mean. You could list them on Discogs, but then that's a second part-time job. No, it's, that's a fucking serious Sometimes you just wait there. I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of want to be able to give them away, but give them away in a way where it's like I parse them out like an IV. <laughs> like it's like, you know, I don't want to just give them away because then you get some vulture who comes in. It's going to just yeah. flip them. Yeah. I want to be, be selective. Like, just yeah. drop them off. I thought it would be cool to maybe give them away or sell everything for a dollar, but limit. You can always buy five records. Oh, that's nice. That's that not bad. Cool. Yeah. Someday I'll do that. Yeah. But not yet. Not yet. <laughs> They're all let's, mine. Let's play another record that you yeah, got. Yeah, yeah, sure. What do you um, what do you got for me, dog? Alright. Um, <laughs> ooh, should we do I mean do you wanna go jazz or do you wanna go like proto punk? Maybe uh maybe jazz because it's some jazz Let's do some film. Oh, this is cool. This record's awesome. I I don't own this record. I think this came out like okay. It was like I mean it came out like 2000, but then reissued yeah. in 2006. There's so many good reissues. This is, um, oh, yeah. I'm gonna take here. I want some help, or I'll hold that for you. Great. I'll hold this. Santa the mic. Phil Coran on the beach, uh, part of the artistic heritage ensemble. Oh. This is an instrument he made. I mean, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a thumb piano? amplified thumb piano, essentially. Oh. Yeah. And he taught the guy from Earth, Wind, and Fire about this and got him on this tip. speed. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome, though. Should we listen to it over from the top, the right speed? Yeah. See what it sounds like? That was crazy. We were just listening to it at the, at 45 speed, but it sounded great. Yeah, I know. That's, honest to God, that's how you know if music is good. I love that. If I you can it. listen to it at a different speed and it just sounds a different kind of better. Yeah, this is the one I know. It's so textural. Oh, I know. It's like a steel pan, like that yeah. shit. It's kind of woozy. It kind of sounds like noirish, doesn't it? Definitely. It sounds like it sounds like a lot of things, actually.
Hear those bells in the background or something? Yeah. Tangles. Little tangles. This is a song that's ready to be ruined with spoken word. I know. It's just ready oh to God. be ruined. Yeah. <laughs> what if there's been sampled? I think. Seems a bit too uh, low key. Yeah. That's what I like about it. Yeah. I think it's like. Kind of dark and circular. I used it as the end credits to a short, actually. Right. And I I got to speak to Phil. No way. On the phone, yeah. I like just begged him to use Holy it. Holy shit. It was really cool. I mean, he played in Sun Sun Ra's orchestra. Oh, he was I the trumpet player. Yeah, he was the trumpet player when okay. they were in um, uh, Chicago. And then so they when won. Is, when years is that? You suppose. Uh, this is the '50s, late '50s, early '60s. Okay. So he was on the, uh, like four albums. Or wow. Something. And then he started the Heritage Ensemble after he said bye-bye to, to Sun, Sun Ra. But John Gilmore got him in the band. I mean, the guy's mm-hmm. classic orchestra dude. Yeah. And at 92, I'd explained to him what like a short film was. So it was like, I, I was 92? Yeah, he was 92 years you old. You talked to him on the phone? Yeah, I talked to him on the phone. Got how'd him on the horn. A, how'd you get in touch with him? I, I, he had one of those, like, I've only, like, he had a website or something like yeah. that, and, like, it went to his assistant, and I went to him. That's cool. And then we talked, and I think he could just tell that I was like, but, like, you know, he's been ripped off his entire life. He has? Like, or, you know, he's, he says he has. Like, he just yeah. says, like, he told, he said, like, Ken Burns, like, like uh, <laughs> ripped him off or something like that. And, like, so, I mean, like, and, you know, as a musician, I'm sure he feels like he's been ripped off his whole life yeah. uh, financially or in other ways. So I had to really work to explain, like, this is a short film. I'm not making any money. You know, I, lo- I, I, it was really the hardest pitch I've ever had to do in my life, like, to anybody in any capacity. How many times did you have to call him? Just once, but okay. we talked for like two and a half hours. Oh my god! And you know, he would just like tell me stories and stuff. And I, I just had this idea of I'm gonna keep him on the phone. I'm not gonna say, well, it's a you know, it's like you're in his company. Yeah. And I'm it's a privilege. You know. What was the best story that he told you that you can think of right now? I mean, it was probably just like, um, the this like he was really in a he was really confrontational with Sun Ra. Like okay. he said that like. I mean, because they, I mean, can you imagine, like, I mean, what would it be like, you know, to play with Sun Ra? And he said that, like, they would, they just had, like, a lot of, like, artistic clashes. Uh And he remembers, like, um, I mean, like, Sun, they were, you know, Sun Ra would come at it from, like, a certain, like, intergalactic perspective. And then he would come from this, like, African traditional perspective. And, like, so they're into, like these different extremes of approaches to music and so they would just like constantly fight and uh he said like one time like sun ra like broke his trumpet and stuff Jesus like that Christ. so yeah i mean like it was that stuff i was really interested in and and this this recording he told me about recording it's called on the beach and it um it was recorded live in one take you know and like he said they were never able to like do it again and he thinks that the track is like possessed like by the a spirit that's you know? so cool yeah yeah, so, um, and I, I, I like to use music when I'm, like, w- writing and stuff, and, uh, like, I'll blast music while writing, and then 
I inevitably end up writing it into the music. Uh, That's the what I want to ask you itself. about. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like I think about that stuff so much. Yeah. And I always wonder how people get beyond, because I feel like there's certain things that I've written or think about that are so inspired by what I'm listening to that mm -hmm. they're a part of it. Absolutely. And sometimes you're like, oh, I can't, this can't be in it. I know yeah. it can't. Yeah. And I, yeah. so how, what do you do? Do you just, it's okay if it's not in it because it inspired it, so it is in it? I think so. And I think that's the approach. I mean, I have ridden myself into such corners yeah. like that. Like this other track uh, by uh, Craig Leon that I, I also brought like there's a, my latest short the last three minutes where can people see your stuff by the way where's the best place Vimeo. to see it okay all Vimeo and just type in Joey Izzo yeah J-O-E-Y-I-Z-Z-O that's right you have people have to look at this stuff because it's things. just I mean the fact that I'm underselling it is uh, I think the best sales pitch uh, yes please check yeah. it out for yourself um, incredible thank you yeah. Your stuff is, ugh, I don't know. I, that's a whole other thing. No, go on. Uh, <laughs> well, I just like what you do with, that's why I'm asking about this, because I feel like you have, you find a way to integrate that type of textural uh, tone of music with, with images that is like, oh, this is, this is clearly what you wanted it to look like. Like, mm -hmm. you're seeing this thing that, uh, it's so like evocative where it's I just really feel it's like hitting on all all the points all the flavors are hitting at the same time wow. and I feel like oh wow this is just so I'm so in it you know what I mean yes thank you I mean that is the I, I cut the record yeah. for listeners what happened <laughs> I, I really appreciate that I mean I uh, I think um, for me film uh, is incredibly musical I, I think it's probably the most related you know art form and, yeah. and in that it, when I'm writing I, I like to treat it as if uh, like I'm a composer and and I'm thinking about um, sequences in terms of like you know like this whole sequence nobody's talking and like this sequence wall-to-wall -wall talking and then uh -huh. this is gonna be my you know so it's like I'm kind of breaking things up into blocks and hoping that people kind of feel these movements yeah. you know um, that are happening not really in terms of dramatic structure and narrative and music plays a, a huge role in like kind of maybe even organically figuring out those those places but I've mm -hmm. definitely tripped myself up over like like the last one I was committed to using this track uh, by Craig Leon called Nomos uh -huh. and I mean it was written into the script like Craig Leon's track plays from this minute to this minute yeah. <laughs> and I had no rights I have no money you know and like I it was another one of those situations where like back borrow and steal yeah I, I he had like a kind of like dad website mm -hmm. like for composing and I emailed him this like I was like editing at one in the morning and he got back to me within like five minutes and I mm -hmm. had this email exchange because he was in London so right. he was waking up oh perfect yeah. timing and I sent him a, I, it, within an hour I had the rights to use the song that's like, cool just because I came to him hat in hand and and this guy Craig Leon can we play this yeah let's play it let's, okay. let's cue it up I, I actually this um, if you want to play the song it's on the, it's, it's on uh, Nomos um, it's by Craig Leone yes Craig Leone I think it's Craig Leone. So, so Craig, C-R-A-I-G-L-E, like Leon. Yeah, Craig, Craig Leon. Craig Leon. And what's the song? Nomo. Nomos. Not. N-O-M-M-O-S. There's one called N-O-O-N-O-M-M-O. -O -O -M -M -O. 
Oh, yeah. Nomo? That's it. Okay. That, I'm sorry. That's it. What is this guy? So I'll tell you about this guy. He's got a picture of himself in front of a fucking MacBook. It looks cool. Really? <laughs> he's wearing a black t-shirt <laughs> like he's fucking Steve Jobs or something. Oh, not, not now it's not coming up, but look. See, there he is. <laughs> that's him, huh? Yeah, that's him. So. Alright. Is this it? Yeah, this is Noma. Oh, fuck me. Yeah. That sounds like someone just got splatted. That's right. I mean, how do you hear this and not put it in a movie? <laughs> how old is this? So, okay. Actually, tell you, this is a re-recorded version. Okay. Ah. But I use the original version. How is, is the it recording? I mean, you might just go straight to YouTube. I think, okay, this... I think the original is better. This is a little cleaner, a little Dude, The original is always better. Re yeah. Re-recordings are like one of the worst things that uh, exist. That's the problem. That's the problem. It's, but you can't, you got to go original. Also, the problem with re-recordings is a lot of times the computer that's doing all the the metadata yeah. doesn't know the difference. And the next thing you know, you can't separate. Oh, it's Nomos. That's what it is. See? Okay. That's you were right. right. I was right. Okay. Here we go. Nope. This isn't it? This isn't it. But this is a good track. This is fucking killing me. All right, Nomo. God damn it, this is rad. Can you look at, like, YouTube maybe or something? That's what I meant. I'm in YouTube. Craglione, Nomo, Donkeys Bearing Cups, Big Daddy's House. Um, Nomo's Craglione 1981, maybe that's it. Let's try that. Let's I think this is going to be it. I feel it. Let's see. This is it. This is it. This is it. Oh, dude, this is killer. Yeah. What the fuck? This is it. You got it now. Amazing. Yeah, I heard this, and I immediately, like, had to put it in, you know? Wow. And I, I didn't even have this, I didn't even have that section written. Like, uh -huh. this, this song came first, and then I wrote a montage around it. Ugh. It just sounds like a lot of different things, but the best of those things. Yeah. It has, like, almost like an industrial uh -huh. type of, like, heaviness. But then, as you'll start hearing this, like... This real ambient, lush, like, melody creeps in, and they kind of balance each other out. So we're, and it's, again, the circular patterns, I think, are, are something I really dig. Me too. Uh, stuff that's repetitive, this yeah. sort of starts to almost, like, um, mutate. Yes. Very slowly mutate. Yeah, yeah. Into something else. Almost like a... Like uh, language. Like language. Yeah, but we like seem almost like a... Oh, like a Petri dish. I'm imagining, like, this thing yeah, kind of spreading. growing, you know? I also uh, want to hear like people talking to her. Yeah. Where's Jorgensen? Get him in here. We just uh, figured it out. Where is he? Get him in. Hello. So, the thing about Craig Leon is that uh, he started in New York in New York City. Uh, a producer. Like, he recorded. Suicide. Oh, well, there you go. First album, Blondie. Like, amazing records. And then he, at the same time, he was really interested in this, um, I mean, he was really interested in, like, African percussion and yeah. rhythms and the latest, like, synthesizer technology at the time. And he uh, discovered this, um, or he was doing research into this Mali tribe that believed in these aliens. That uh, Maui tribe. Yeah, I think is that M. Yeah, 
Molly, I believe. Molly yeah. liked the drug, bro? Like the drug, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and they believed, I guess, like, uh, in an, an alien species that came from this planet and, uh, like, lived in under the water. And, and so this whole album is is called Nomos. The, the alien people that lived as underwater aliens, intergalactic space travelers that lived undersea on Earth were Nomos. And that's where this title comes from. <laughs> <laughs> Tripping balls, dude! How about that? God. Anyone who's into aliens, I... To oh, such yeah. a degree where they pattern music around that obsession. Is... It's just a thing where it instantly takes you away from uh, worrying about any kind of real normal terrestrial things. Yeah. It's just like, oh, what's happening with what's on CNN? <laughs> oh, I haven't noticed. And oh, has it been eight years since <laughs> I since I'd stopped looking at this keyboard? I know. I've just been so interested in this in the B flat <laughs> and the idea that this culture there uh, they believe that there's a water alien that gives us juice from trees. So, oh, oh, is it daytime? Okay. Is it, how many years has it been? I've been in this little hutch. It's a good way to tune in and drop out. Yeah. Go under the sea. Under the sea. This is the true sound of what <laughs> This is it. This is it. It kind of sounds underwatery, right? It does. It does sound super watery. It sounds like, like wet. As that like melody comes in, it's just like I really. It just takes on this trans, transcend, transcendental mm-hmm. kind of vibe. That for real. Yeah, for real. And the guy is rad. I mean, he was so generous, so nice. And I guess he gave up pop music. I want I guess he wouldn't call this pop, but even working in this capacity, he only plays Bach now. He's only interested in Bach classical. It's something about Bach because I feel like Bach is like the um, it's like the underlining math of, yeah. the, of the musical universe. Yeah. And at some point, you strip everything down and say, "Oh, these are just." I always I think I've talked about this in podcasts before, but I always think of Bach as what a bee is thinking as it's flying through the rain. <laughs> It's like this thing where it's like, just, it's like just this, uh, like not clinical even, it's just, uh, it's just not, it's math. It's got everything in it. It's math in the world. Yeah, yeah. It's time plus distance plus just, it's like everything. It's like the, the, all the dimensions exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there anything you want to say before we close it out? Um, thanks for having me. Thanks on the for show. being here. This has been great. Let's been do it fun. again. Let's get to more records. Yeah, we'll do it. More to come. This is Nomos by Craig Leon, as presented by Joey Izzo. That's right. Check him out online. Watch all of his films. They're glorious. You're going to thank me. <laughs> I guarantee.